You're listening to that Jesus podcast. Hey everyone, it's good to be here. This time I'm meeting with somebody in person locally here in northern Wisconsin. Patrick, it's been a while since we've had you on. How's it going? It has been a hot minute. It is going <laughs> well. I had this to look forward to all day and I am genuinely excited to be here. That's great. And joining us again as well is Kimberly, who's not with us. You're out in Boston, right? I am. I am. How's the weather in Boston right now? It recently decided that it's winter and I love Same. it. Oh, no, same about it deciding it was winter, the opposite about loving it. <laughs> well, ti- uh, your name isn't Titus anymore. Your name no. is Patrick. No. How, how's, how are things going with you? Fine. I am enjoying blue collar work again after, um, I, obviously, in college here and was a school teacher for a while and um, worked in after school programming at a boys and girls club for a while and haven't done manual labor for a while and I've been doing that for the it's not as 15 to 20 15 to 25 hours a week so not a lot but that's been fun um I enjoy it nice people to work with and I do enjoy being outside I feel like that would be my dream if I could teach for like 20 30 hours a week and then work for 20 30 hours a week that would be like the ideal balance for my mental and physical health (laughs) you're staying pretty busy out there at Sattler College right Kimberly I am pretty busy yeah so many things going on. Um, yeah, I feel like I would love to, I feel like I would love to work like at a desk for part of the time and then like also run a farm. Those are my <laughs> dreams. Yes. Yeah, well, let's move into that weekly buzz. Okay, that weekly buzz. And uh, Patrick, what's your weekly buzz? I brought a visual buzz which awesome. might be a buzz kill but <laughs> i'll show you what you got going on it's a diagram i found off reddit and it's a mapping of different countries around the world and their beliefs on a literal heaven or hell so in the bottom left hand corner of the graph we have countries where very few people believe in heaven or hell um you have like china is pretty much the lowest um on the graph very few believe in either heaven or hell, so they're right mm-hmm. in the middle. Um, but then it just gets interesting as you go up. So like right in the middle is the U.S., and it's perfectly balanced. Um, most people, if they believe in a heaven, they believe in a hell. And it's about 67%. Um, as you go up farther to the right, um, you've got a lot of Islamic countries where there's like it's 80 to 90% believe in both heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just brought out some areas I wouldn't have thought of. Um, Orthodox countries... Um, slightly above 50%. Um, there's a small margin more that believe in heaven that do not believe in hell, but most would believe in both heaven and hell. Okay. But then Latin America, um, there's a large amount more who would believe in heaven, but not hell. Um, decent amount that believe in both, but there it definitely is a gap. Um, about so... 20% or so that would believe in a heaven but not a hell. Oh, wow. So everybody just goes to heaven if you live in Latin America. Uh, I cannot articulate <laughs> <laughs> their beliefs and whether beliefs change reality. But, um, yeah, I just found it um, an interesting way to compare. To look at, Think about there's the rest of the world that thinks about these things yeah. rather than just us that go in circles about it too. Yeah. But a lot of people do believe in the afterlife regardless. Mm-hmm. And that's such a shared belief almost universally that there's something more. Yeah. 
mm. for sure. So is it a heresy to believe in heaven and not a hell? Is that like a is that a step? Is that halfway to biblical orthodoxy, or is it like two steps back? <laughs> it all depends on where your parents were at. <laughs> it also depends on how you define them. Sure. Yeah. Like, even the phrasing heaven or hell is almost, I guess we'd have it in common with Islam, um, mm-hmm. and but it almost feels like a Christian term in and of itself. Yeah. Well, I I feel like maybe <laughs> maybe we should start looking at redefining what we actually think of heaven and hell in a biblical senses too. Maybe the Christian tradition around heaven and hell could be revisited, but there's definitely some variance. I am not the person to ask though. <laughs> we'll have to have NT right on to talk about that. Send it. <laughs> well, um we asked I asked Patrick and Kimberly to come on today to talk about something that's kind of near and dear to all of our hearts, um, Mm -hmm. higher education. So I had to convince Titus that this was appropriate for us to talk about on, on a podcast devoted to a devotional life. But I think for, for myself, for Patrick, for a lot of Christians, higher education is a complicated thing to think through and, and it really can be something that enables us for the gospel. So let's let's just uh, go around and sh- kind of share our stories and our connection experience in college in the bastion of of liberal ideology and brainwashing. Uh, Patrick, you just started your third year, or just finishing up your second year of college? Uh, just starting my second, and it's uh, my third semester. Um, yes, I have in the past couple of years decided I wanted to be a history teacher. Um, I've taught for several years at a small Mennonite school. Really enjoyed it. Um, it was a tough decision figuring out like salary, things like that. And um, just for even options and stuff in the future, I decided it'd be beneficial to have a degree, state licensure. So I started at our local community college last fall, fall of 2020, and I've um, been working on getting a two-year liberal arts degree, and then I'm going to transfer that into a state university to finish out um, a history education program. So I have one more semester left here at the local community college, and I've just started picking out my classes and making plans for going to the state university about an hour and a quarter away starting in January. So I'm pretty Mm -hmm. excited about that. I've enjoyed my time at our little community college, um, but I am excited about moving on too. Yeah, that is cool. And uh, I I actually went to college, uh, I was late 20s, early 30s, something like that. Um, and I actually studied internationally um, while we were living in Thailand and got my bachelor's degree in Gan Sisan Pasa Angri, communications degree in English. <laughs> um, and that, that was great because it was a bachelor's degree in communications that they could actually transfer over to the U.S., but now I've been teaching for a few years here in the U.S., and I just got accepted to uh, from a, a master's program in lacrosse. Nice. So, now what about you, Kimberly? You're the real expert because you're the you're the professional educator, higher ed person here, right? What did you tell um, us what your job is, and then? Yeah, so um, I work for Sattler College as their director of marketing, but also I'm currently serving as their interim director of admissions. Interim Director of Admissions. And so what does a Director of Admissions do? 
Yeah, so if we were to, I get to help students decide if college is the right place for them, if this college is the right place for them, and kind of usher them through the application process, and then um, meet with the team to kind of make decisions about who, like, about what our next class looks like. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so she's the real expert here. She is. <laughs> right, did you uh, take a, a traditional uh, college college career, like fresh out of high school, or? Um, no. So right out of high school, I went to college for um, a semester. I already had some college credits. Um, went to college for a semester because she's smart. <laughs> um, and um, then took ten months off that turned into like seven years. <laughs> um, so, Gap year um, stretch like that. Yeah, um, which actually ended up being amazing. Um, I ended up going back for marketing whereas previously that was, had not been my trajectory at all mm-hmm. um, and really loving it. But I kind of waited until I was like in my late, in my late 20s to go back. Um, and yeah, and went to, ended up going to like an online university. Um, okay which had some benefits um, and also some minuses, but yeah. Yeah. So, so just to kind of get started here, I made a joke about higher ed being a bastion of liberal ideology and just indoctrinating all the youths into, into wokeness. But uh, honestly, what is the state of higher education today? Like, is it, I know there's an ongoing conversation that it's a waste of money and we should all go into vocational school. And I would have grown up with parents that both, uh, started going to college and they had a lot of reservations about sending their children to, to a, a secular university. Uh, I don't know either one of you, Patrick, let's start with you. Do you feel that it is a, a liberal bastion and, and a cesspool of iniquity? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I'm saying, I understand your question. I'm not saying yes to that. Um, so I don't feel like I have a great feel on colleges around the country. And I would say there's just as much variance probably as there is variance within the country. Um, While there definitely is a degree of sameness throughout academia, I would say my small little tribal community college probably reflects the community around here decently well, actually. Um, Okay. With a a mix, if you want to use the political lens, uh, uh, it's a pretty purple place mm-hmm. um it probably drifts a lot more blue than um the old blue collar retired guys sitting around talking at a diner um <laughs> one example that came to mind just to think about this so like i actually would assume we haven't talked about it a whole lot but most people i would interact with students and teachers to be pro-choice mm-hmm. um but it is interesting uh it was a situation that lucy Miller Kingsinger mentioned in her book. Um, she's a very conservative Mennonite who went to college. I just enjoyed reading her perspective. And she was talking about a story that she read in her English class that I remember reading in my English class. Um, Ernest Hemingway's Hills Like White Elephants. Okay. Um, and are you familiar with it? Nope. Um, <laughs> I don't like Ernest Hemingway. I know that's horrible for an English teacher to admit, but he just, his prose kind of doesn't do much for me. Yeah, he's his own thing. But anyway, <laughs> it is, uh, it's a story about abortion or, and a couple talking through it and the metaphors they use and stuff. Huh. Um, so, and it was, in my mind, it, it was a conversation that slanted pro-life um, just because um, it, it acknowledged the tension and the, the severity of the choice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it is 110% not like it's depicted in God's Not Dead. Um, <laughs> but Wait, that documentary has some flaws? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there definitely is a tension. Like um, a lot of my instructors and stuff, we're coming at very different places on what is the nature of humanity, mm-hmm. um, the purpose of life. There's a lot of foundational things we are coming at from different places. And I wouldn't say... It, it comes to a dynamic head, like some Christian movies like to portray it. Um, th- there is a subtle influence that uh, has messed with me in ways mm-hmm. I maybe can't articulate and even know super well. Sure. I could ramble for a while. <laughs> so my, in short, my answer is not really. But yeah, it's different. Yes, but actually no. or No, yeah. but actually yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of both. What about like the, the overall... Like you have the 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 ideology, the worldliness mm-hmm. in in thinking and teaching, and then you have the actual lifestyle and and such mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, um, I would say a lot of my classmates do live a lifestyle I don't see as super healthy, mm-hmm. and a lot of my instructors I would not want to see as behavior role models or mentors. <laughs> um, okay, and Kimberly, what are what are your thoughts overall, um, either on like what a higher ed looks like from kind of a Christian perspective or just, is it good? Do we have a robust higher education system or is it like deeply flawed and in desperate need of some salary revival? Um, yeah, I think it's nuanced. Um, and yeah, I, I guess my, my main thought would be that in general, if we were to just look at higher ed, just in general, I think there's some really concerning trends. Um, and there's just a lot of not goodness going on. Um, yeah, there, there's kind of this like facade of being a place where people can talk about things. And often, whether or not you go to a university that's known for being liberal or a university that's like known for being conservative, because there are several of those, um, there's kind of this idea that there's an open forum, but there's not really an open forum. Um, there's a lot of money wasted. There's a lot of people who are just in college because that's what you do um, and are incurring a lot of debt because that's what you do. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, my opinion of the state of higher education is, in general, as it is now, is pretty bleak. Um, there are some things in the way that people think about education, in the way that like places, not just Sattler, are doing education that give me like hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in general, I'm probably a little bit more negative about higher education than Patrick is. So you feel like the trends are are concerning in in like a lack of freedom of thought or explain yeah, that think, a little bit. Th- so I think there's a lack of freedom of thought. And I think we've seen this just kind of nationally anyway. People tend to live more into their bubbles. Mm-hmm. Um, where kind of everyone that you have a relationship with and who you're willing to like speak to, you know, reasonably about issues, you tend to agree with. Um, and higher education can often present itself as this place where, you know, where there's a forum of ideas where we could think through them. And in a lot of places, if you were to disagree, whether, again, whether conservative or liberal, you would be immediately canceled. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, but I think that that really like 
that that creates a really um that's not a great environment for learning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so yeah that's probably what that's mostly what i was kind of talking about and i have seen some of that like i immediately thought of one class where yeah i think there are a decent amount of people who self-censor themselves um just because of the tone of the teacher yeah um but i do feel my own school is a a little bit of an anomaly um you're talking about the 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 lco college yes yeah so so kind of taking a step back further yet why should adults go to school like once you're 18 years old aren't you aren't you set yeah (laughs) like i haven't learned anything else in the 12 years since i turned 18 (laughs) awesome (laughs) it's just been a stonewall (laughs) i was done but but the the idea of like going to college and continuing your education, like you guys should pitch me on why we should continue learning, continue like formally formal education, or maybe we shouldn't. Yes, I have I have I have I have a pitch. Go. So the reason that people, so I think there's several reasons people should continue higher education. I think that um, number one, um, if you have a specific vocational goal in mind that requires extra training. So sometimes people think of that just as like, you know, like if you go to a school for, if you go to a school for plumbing, like no one kind of questions that you need that training to be a plumber, that you shouldn't sure. just show up um, to be, yeah, and or just start like taking apart. Like yeah. yeah. Um, so I think people see that in plumbing. I think people also can kind of see that in things like medicine, um, things like counseling, um, in some of those other fields, but what, where does like where that leaves the liberal arts is that um, I still think that they're necessary because they kind of train you in how to think and how to reason, and they give you this kind of shared foundation. Um, they give you kind of a shared foundation of issues to talk through with people, not necessarily because those issues are the most important. Like you know, if you're taking like a medieval history class. Not necessarily because that's going to be the most important issue and that's what you're going to be talking about 15 years from now, but because learning how to think about those issues makes you better able to think about other issues that come up in your life. Like those are skills that transfer. And so doing that in an environment where kind of people expect you to be learning and are kind of ushering you through that, I think is really beneficial as you kind of use those skills out in the wild later. Mm -hmm. So do you think that every adult in, in general should go to college? No. So, so what's the, what's the thought process there between saying, you know, some of these basic, basic frameworks for thinking about things, be exposure to ideas historically, that this is good for a lot of people, but not everybody should. What's the kind of, what's the tension there? Yeah, I think it's the tension is that it's kind of hard because you kind of have to talk about individual people as opposed to just like this nebulous, you should go to college because you can also gain those skills in other places mm-hmm. um, and in other ways. Um, sometimes you need other skills more than you need to develop those skills at that exact time. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of an individual thing. I think what I push back on in the should every adult go to college is just that for some people it's not practical. They're not going to use it. For some people it's overly expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those are things to consider. Um, so I really dislike when kind of there's this push of like, if you like your worth is at all tied to like the level of education that you've attained, this idea that you like have to go to college. Um, 
it's kind of ridiculous and it kind of makes people show up at college who aren't actually there to gain those skills that kind of I just talked about. They're just kind of there because everyone told me that I have to be there and it isn't beneficial for them, but it's also not beneficial for the students that they end up going to school with. <laughs> and so there's this kind of, yeah, it, it, it like learning, learning at its best is voluntary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a middle school English teacher, I affirm that and it doesn't usually happen with middle school students <laughs> or it's some, it, something they have to be shepherded in. And it's this weird thing where the workplace enforces it too, where they like have this expectation that you should have a degree regardless of how applicable it is. It kind of feeds the system too. Some of my least favorite job descriptions that I have seen in life have, have, have literally said, um, degree required field, not important. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. The, the, probably is something to this hiring manager once there is like a a general sense of someone who probably has put in time learning how to read, how to research, how to communicate regardless of degree. And that maybe could be a little bit of what that hiring manager is looking for. But yeah, it's ridiculous to assume that college is the only place that someone could have learned these skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember, so I went to college, uh, late twenties, early thirties, and I was basically there don't don't yell at me, but I was basically there to get a piece of paper so I could get a job and in my situation actually get a visa and a work mm. permit so I could stay. Um, not that I didn't enjoy and learn from college, but I really, f- I didn't feel like I needed the education that I received, um, but I needed that piece of paper. Then I, I was working with fellow students who were like, I was like, yeah, you real, this is really valuable and important things for you. And there were things, again, if I'm being honest, there were things I picked up that were really valuable that I wasn't mm-hmm. aware of initially. But I think on the flip side, I, I had a friend, and this is in Thailand, and his dad was living in Malaysia. His mom was living in northern Thailand. And so he was a, a Luke Kring. He was a, a half Malay, half Thai. And he's, he's like, yeah. So I can go to this college and attend this college for a total of eight years before they kick me out. I can get my four-year bachelor's degree. I can take it eight years before my credits expire. Oh, my god. And goodness. since my dad's agreed to pay for college, I get eight years of living free high on oh, the hog. And so he would drop like half of his classes every semester after he signed up because he <laughs> didn't want to, to let go of the, 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 free, the free life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are actually quite a few people like that that are just like, well, this is what you're supposed to do, so I'm going to live it up and, and mm-hmm. then settle down later. Yeah. Right. And, and for, I'm not going to speak for this particular friend of yours, but like, <laughs> for, for most guy people to be who find themselves with. <laughs> oh, I bet he was a party. <laughs> in that situation, the, the, the place where they would do the most learning and growing in that moment would be, would, would be some like experience of like, independent adulthood Mm -hmm. yep which he kind of had the opposite right so what are some uh kingdom reasons that people should consider going to college patrick um if you want to interact with the world around you it just it's helped me understand even my own um sawyer county here um understand um just with the other students i meet they're in different circles that um, I wouldn't have met them if mm-hmm. it wasn't at college. So like even just in a relationship level, I've gotten to make friends and just spending time in a way where I 
do get to understand mm-hmm. a little bit more of um, what their perspectives and experiences are. So maybe you could get that same experience as joining a some sort of community group, event type club, mm-hmm. a social club of some kind. Um, that would be one aspect as a Christian. Um, and then also I believe our intellect and reason or rationality is a resource and a talent that shouldn't be buried in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I think college is a place where it can be developed and nurtured. Um, and then those gifts can be used to build the kingdom with, with writing, with planning, um, mm-hmm. things like that. So that's what comes to mind off the top of my head. Yeah. And, and for me, it really was very much of a, a kingdomish sort of decision to go to college. Um, because the, the country I was living in, they're like, we can't give you a visa to teach at the school unless you have a college degree. Mm-hmm. But, and, and so maybe I guess for, for me, I would say another kingdom kingdom reason is so you're equipped to engage in jobs that <clears throat> people from a more Mennonite mm-hmm. background probably aren't going to engage in. And conservative Christians probably aren't going to be as engaged in these things without that college degree, without that piece of paper. Mm-hmm. But Kimberly, is it is it reductionist to say, hey, I'm in my mid-20s or late or late teens or 40s, and I really want to engage with a world outside of, you know, mini barns and carpentry. And so I'm just going to go get this piece of paper as quick as I can. Is that okay to be so utilitarian about it? I think that you can be utilitarian about how you get your degree and that that's not wasted. So like, I don't want to say that like getting your degree, but it's likely not for most people that's not going to be the best use of their time and resources four years is a long time four years is a long time to not be engaged and not be fully present oh i see what you're saying okay yeah so you're saying if you're gonna do it you should be as plugged in and get everything you can out of it right like i think that yeah, and I, I feel like there's kind of a Christian impetus for this of like the things that you do, do them well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do them well and be there. And so this idea that you can kind of like half educate and like, <laughs> like it, like, I think if you do it and you have like good motivations, it's not like the Lord isn't going to use that. Mm-hmm. But also I think the ideal would be to be fully present where you are. Mm-hmm. I got my, <clears throat> I got my four year bachelor's degree in uh, five semesters. What a um, flex. What a flex. <laughs> well, so I was able to test out of a bunch of courses um, because I was a native English speaker that was quite literate and I spoke Thai fluently. So I was able to knock out uh, four classes worth of credits in a foreign language because I was able to test out of Thai classes. And so I guess for me, it was like, I have all of this education that I've done that I've invested in I just want a college to recognize it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And so my alma mater did a good job in recognizing most of that. Nice. But, but I, I will totally agree with Kimberly. Like, I loved half my classes and really poured myself into it. And then there were other classes that the, uh, you know, the instructor didn't even care. And so I kind of, you know, coasted through those mm-hmm. and, um, and yet, I did feel like there is was value in what I was doing to plug into it. 
Yeah, I mean, and even no matter your connect your commitment. I mean, if you're taking thinking about like full time college students here, if mm-hmm. you're taking yeah, if you're taking 15, 18 credits, you likely cannot devote your full energy to those things, and also realize that like college is only one part of your life. Like, there's still college isn't like even if you go to college with kingdom motivations, it's not like it's not like, oh, for four years I get to do nothing and then <laughs> and then I assume that I will launch out and serve the world. Yep. Like, you still need to be serving the community you're in, both like your college community and your wider community. Um, and then balancing all that with like, does this statistics class, I don't want to call it statistics, I love math, but does this statistics <laughs> class math. Like, mean, mean <laughs> as much to me as this class in counseling? Like, yeah. if I'm taking both, and I have limited time, which one do I devote more to? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the general tenor of, there's a difference between kind of making those decisions and just kind of saying like, well, I'm here, and if I show up here and, yep. you know, with like kind of a C's get degrees attitude, then gotcha. it'll be all right. Yeah. yeah. And I've definitely felt that, like, obviously the first two years of a bachelor's are just a lot of gen eds, and that's what I'm doing now, and it hasn't even been that applicable to the field and career I'm interested in. Yep. So it, in some, it definitely has felt like busy work. And I've enjoyed my random electives just for the sake of their content. They have been boring and drab and just kind of going through the routines mm-hmm. at moments. Um, so, yeah, that definitely is something that I maybe wasn't prepared for when I went to college that, <clears throat> yeah, not everything is going to be super focused on what I'm interested in or heading towards. Mm-hmm. And there is a little bit maybe of a, a top-heavy nature to some of academia. Um, what do you mean by top-heavy? Like... Um, a, a little bit of dead weight, um, or okay. and it's dead weight by perspective. Like, is, <laughs> if I want to be a history teacher, is it necessary for me to take um, two science classes? Yeah, and, and I can I can think it's really cool when people can tie things across disciplines. Mm-hmm. Like, if you know, if you can tie like the science of advancements like gunpowder and other things, how they interact with history. I think mm-hmm. that's really cool. But um, some of my favorite teachers are people who can tie together disciplines like that. But at the same time, it wasn't the most necessary. Or And statistics. Yeah, I had a statistics <laughs> class, too. Um, it, it, Go ahead, Kimberly. One of, one of the things that I probably um, love the most, and so, so, like, obviously, so I work at Sattler. I didn't go to Sattler. Um, and one of the things that I find myself being the most, like, jealous of is the way that their core curriculum is structured for them. Like everyone takes the same core classes and they do all tie together. Hmm. They do all, and they kind of end up with this like shared foundation of like knowledge that they kind of talk about and they'll like reference in higher classes with just this kind of assumption that people know. And I did not experience that at all where it felt like all of them were this like disjointed, like Mm. you need to take world history one or two or US history one or two because it needs to fill this slot here but it kind of had no connection to the rest of my degree. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, I've been seeing them kind of talk about those connections and hearing students talk about them, and I'm like, I want to have my U.S. history class have mattered. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's think for a minute. Um, and Patrick, you attended a, a Mennonite Bible Institute, as did I. I did, yes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the quasi-higher ed experience of probably a lot mm-hmm. of our audience and like uh, Sharon Mennonite Bible Institute or... Maranatha Bible uh, Mar- School. Yeah, some of these um, Anabaptist institutions that seek to inculcate uh, the convictions and traditions mm-hmm. of 
of a Mennonite perspective. Real quick money trail. I hear like Ellerslie would be a little bit different. Is there, is this a thing outside of Mennonite circles at all? Oh yeah, for sure. It's like a lot of conservative Christian, um, denominations will have their own Bible schools, like especially mm-hmm. the fundamentalist Baptist types. And some of those, some of those grow really big and you get things like, um, Pensacola or, mm. uh, yeah, there are a couple others that kind of grew out of the fundamentalist Baptist movement and, and are now actual colleges. Yeah. Well, or even, um, what's the, what's the college in Goshen? Oh, Goshen college. Mm, uh, Rose, Oh, Rosedale. Rosedale. Yes. And like my, uh, my former pastor who's, who's passed away since he went to Rosedale when it basically was mm. like SMBI and then it became a, an accredited college. Interesting. So, okay. So your question was, so I guess I'm just curious, uh, your perspective comparing going to, uh, Maranatha or mm-hmm. SMBI with, um, now going to college. And would yeah. you rec- recommend going to, to a Mennonite Bible Institute for a conservative Mennonite first and then going to college or skipping one or skipping the other? I think um, having a mix of both could be really good. And maybe it's totally different. It's, I hear places like Sattler um, try really hard to do both because, um, man, I have... I, I don't want to say I've felt my faith, like, attacked, but... Um, it has felt challenged in a way. And like, I remember after my first two semesters, I remember I was like, I was ready to um, engage with faith again. Um, I was just kind of hungry for it for a time of, I was maybe feeling a little bit burned out of just studying these random electives and stuff. And especially kind of like I mentioned before, um, all these, teachers that I didn't really feel like I could look up to as role models. Um, sure. Not saying they're awful people. Um, there was just um, aspects of their lives that I didn't really want to model. I still really respect them as teachers and was able to learn about them from them. Uh, but there is, there's definitely, it's like an academic uh, nature of these SMBIs, Maranathas, but the main thrust is discipleship, mentorship, community, and, you won't find that at a college. <laughs> no kidding. Um, yeah. You could so, find it though. Like there are yeah. some cool um, mentoring programs. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I don't have a lot of experience interacting with those. I know they're more at um, larger universities. State unis and such. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it would be good to have a balance of both. Um, and if you are going into college, be deliberate about including um, – robust theology and, and especially discipleship and relationships while you're at college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it can be easy for like, I've remember talking with another friend too. Um, it can be really easy for these instructors to kind of become your mentors. Um, yep. So, uh, and I don't want to just make this, you know, uh, hunting season on, on Mennonite institutions, mm-hmm. but what are some things you wish, and, and Kimberly, I don't know your experience with, <laughs> with like, Sharon Mennonite Bible Institute or anything, but what are things that we wish uh, these Mennonite institutes could maybe do better and pick up mm. from, from colleges? Yeah. Uh, teaching robust research um, and uh, also I remember, like, a couple of my teachers at 
these uh, at Maranatha were college educated guys. Oh, um, wow. Okay. And there was something different about their classes, uh, more of a structure, kind of the linear logic like you might find in a college class. There's actually I, a syllabus. <laughs> there's actually a syllabus, yeah. Um, things like that. And I really did enjoy those classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they did bring, and they, they were men who were good mentors too, and they did bring the kind of structured academic. So they brought the best of both worlds. And I think something like that I'd love to see that continue in those kinds of things. Um, while also bring in some, some real heart and soul guys to um, mm-hmm. keep Christianity has both. And I think they should be grown and celebrated the academia and the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would hate to see the Bible schools become all stuffy and, um, <laughs> just a bunch of people talking about dry theology. There's a lot of really good teachers who have never gone to college, but are really great at connecting and making good discussion too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on this, Kimberly? Um, not a lot. I think, I think my primary thought is just, um, I don't see college and Bible institutes as in competition with one another. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think kind of setting up like, specifically like younger people to feel like they need to decide between the two. Um, yeah, because like Patrick said, I think there, like you, you need, oftentimes you need both, like you need both. Um, they kind of serve different purposes um, yep, depending on the institution sure. you go to. Um, and so making people feel like they have a decision to make kind of feel, makes them feel like they have to miss out on one half or the other. And I don't think that needs to be the case. Yeah. And I'll, Definitely. And I didn't mean to set them kind of at odds. I I think what I usually hear people say is, well, if you're going to go to college, you know, at least put in your two years at Faith Builders or at least, you know, put a couple semesters in or terms in at SMBI or something. And I think that's some there's some wisdom there if you're really seeking to kind of maintain a tradition, because that tradition will be maybe attacked is too strong of a word, but at least questioned and challenged. Mm if you go even to a Christian university, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and diving guess, into at least a little bit of apologetics is a really good idea before going to college. Mm-hmm. He's going yeah. back to God's not dead again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or even after we've had, we've had some students, um, I'm thinking of one specifically who finished, who finished his four year degree and then um, came to Sattler to kind of get this like biblical foundation and oh, then started working after that. We have like a one-year certificate in biblical studies and religious studies. And he kind of came to do that. And I felt like that was just, yeah, it was like a really good thing to do. Um, just kind of thinking about like, it doesn't have to be this either or. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I will just second what Patrick said. I, I went to Mennonite Bible Institute, and that was really transformative for me. And there were there are a couple of teachers there that just really profoundly impacted me with their with their devotion, with their passion for Jesus but then with the rigor of their thinking around scripture. Um, and there was some really great stuff that happened at the um, other uh, Mennonite institution I went to. But at that point for me, there were so many times where there was just transparently, um, and he pauses to find the right words, non-rigorous thinking around scripture. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um one, I remember one brother going through and teaching us, you know, about 
about Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and young earth creationism, and I appreciate that. But then he was like, you know, if you really kind of want to lean into it, uh, there's a whole movement that argues for a uh, geocentric orbit. And he's like, I'm not saying that this is what you should do, but it's really interesting, and I think that they're an example for us on taking the Bible seriously. And and I just felt like that kind of undermined his credibility in the conversation about young earth creationism in the moment. Mm-hmm. Other Other examples would be when people, when instructors bring in their convictions, sincerely held, and then read them into scripture. And we're not, mm-hmm. what I would love to see, and what I had some instructors do for me when I went to like SMBI, was model what it looks like to engage scripture honestly, rather than just using scripture. Mm-hmm. So that's something I, and, <laughs> and I'll say this too, a, when my, one of my professors at um, college was very biased and wasn't always intellectually honest with, with mm-hmm. things. And because I'm a jerk, I called her out a few times and she's like, yeah, you're right. So she was honest when mm-hmm. it was pointed out, but everybody operates from their own biases. And I yeah. think there would be value in bringing some of that rigor to, mm-hmm. to everyone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Bringing a bunch of like college educated guys into those Mennonite things wouldn't make everyone suddenly super straight shooters and yeah. take away all biases. It, it might make it even worse. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I've, I was a younger and I wasn't that much of a hawk for those kind of things, but there definitely can be some, some of the just status quos can, can hum along without being challenged sometimes. A status quos and sometimes shibboleths yes. where it's not just, this is what we always think, but if you don't think this and you don't actually say this particular thing just right, you're, you're not mm-hmm. going to be welcome back. Yeah. And again, this is very much not the case exclusively with Anabaptist uh, yeah. institutes. It, like, like, like you were just saying, exactly. yeah. there's a lot of self-censoring yep. everywhere. Yeah, I mean, and I, but it also, this isn't pushback necessarily, but you have to like kind of think about those things and also figure out like how to, like if you know, if you know more, like you have more experience in some area, like how do you still learn in humility? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, because that's another big thing that I think tends to make people afraid of higher education, just tends to be that like, people can come back and be jerks. Like, they're just like, I know everything now. (laughs) Like, man, like, you got this wrong, and so I don't have to listen. And that attitude is not Mm Christ-like. Yeah, Hey, truth bomb. (laughs) The snobbery of academia can be canceled. Yeah, quit stepping on my toes there, dude. Uh, Let's let's run through some just practical questions. Um, Kimberly, the the interim admissions director or whatever. Um, when should a per- young person consider going to college right after high school or should they have a gap decade like you did? So I think it's different for lots of people. Man, um, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> it is. I think, I think about students that we have here. We have a student who entered in their forties and we have a student who entered at 16. Um, and both of them in my mind are doing well and we're prepared to be here. Um, I would say on average, if I had to choose like an arbitrary age, I would say that like 19 is a good time to go to college. Okay. Like maybe, maybe spend a year not being in high school. Like Mm -hmm. I, I think I'm team intentional gap year. Um, but if you don't take a gap year or if you take a gap decade, I think that's fine as well. Mm -hmm. Why do you think 
and again, you, you made it clear that different, different strokes for different folks, but why do you think that 19 is better rather than say 25? Um, I just think that life gets harder to fit intentional education into mm -hmm. like, yeah. and people do it. Like oh. I did it, but my all to education mm -hmm. in terms of wanting to get my all to education. I mean, like I was going to school full time. I was also working full time. Mm -hmm. And so what does that look like? Where, um, then you throw in like people getting married, people having children, people kind of starting businesses. It just gets a lot more complicated the longer mm -hmm. you wait. Um, so that's probably my reason, but kind of, but I also think that like more maturity allows you to learn better. Yeah. And that's kind of been, was my experience. I was, I felt like I could in some ways get more out of my, my college experience because I was older and I had actually been teaching and practicing some of the things I was learning. So I kind of knew what I didn't know <laughs> and what I needed to fill in. What about um, going into debt? Because college is generally expensive. Again, weird flex, but I think I spent about 10 grand on my bachelor's degree. So, <laughs> but generally it's what, four, four, six, eight times that. Mm -hmm. Do Should people go into debt for college? Patrick, are you going into debt for college? I think it is a realistic possibility, at least a little bit. We'll see what financial aid looks like. It won't be very much. Mm -hmm. um, it won't be $100,000. No. In the neighborhood of 10 grand, probably, okay. if, if I do. We'll see. Mm -hmm. I've spent on my associates, I'll probably end up have only spending four or five grand, maybe. Okay, that's nice. I, I think people should be really careful before going into debt. Um, yeah, because again, when you get older, there's kind of all these things you need to think of. And if you're kind of starting from behind, it's hard mm -hmm. to say, it's hard to say, thinking from a kingdom perspective, it's hard to say, hey, like, I'd really love to serve the world. Also, I somehow need to pay back this $37,000, um, but also, like, be free to go wherever. Like, if you have $37,000 in debt, you're not free to go wherever. Yeah. Yeah. And um, do you, would you generally say, and again, I think we all know the answer to this, but is somebody going to be better off going to a Christian university or just going to a secular college, going to community college or, I mean... I th I think I, I tell me I'm wrong, but I think a lot of us would agree that, generally speaking, you know, trying to get into, you know, one of the Ivy League is probably not realistic or even necessary. But what would you kind of recommend as sort of a baseline? Like, hey, this is what you should consider first. Sattler. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would say I. I Did would, Dr. Kruvel say... make you say that? <laughs> <laughs> I, so I, my actual answer um, would be that you should go to a university with your eyes wide open. And so I think one of the things that I'm against is going to Christian universities that aren't actually Christian. Like oh, interesting. That aren't, that aren't kind of Christian in practice can be strange. Like just where people are unclear on what the worldview is, I think sometimes it's a lot easier to kind of, it can be easier to kind of interact with either something that's actually Christian and is kind of like seeking to like further the kingdom, kind of those things, or somewhere that is openly not doing those things. Okay. But when places kind of live in that middle ground, specifically not thinking of like older students, but specifically thinking of people coming right out of high school, I think that's probably a dangerous place to be. So 
and I kind of wish I could ask you to name names and I'm not sure if you want to do that, nope. <laughs> but, um, you're not talking about like, again, uh, I have friends that go to Pensacola Christian college or, um, uh, what's the one else in Chicago? Uh, Moody Wheaton. Bible Institute. Oh. Wheaton. Yeah. Wheaton. I, w- I didn't want to ask about that one cause I wasn't sure. Like a lot of people would look at say Wheaton and say, Ooh, that's, that's pretty liberal. But like my university actually would have been a historically Christian there. It was founded by, by, uh, missionaries in, um, as a seminary in, I mean, Rhode Harvard Island. is historically Christian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But be clear about the agenda. Like, if they say they're Christian, then then expect them to be Christian and and just be wide open. That that sounds like good advice. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I'm not gonna. I mean, what 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 that looks like is a con- specifically for young people is a conversation with their parents, with people that know them well, with people with. It, it, that's a broader conversation of like what counts, mm-hmm. um, in your mind. But just be aware of, just be aware that you should know where people stand yeah, mm-hmm. or where institutions stand. Yeah. What do you guys think about uh, distance education? I honestly did struggle to get as much over, I forget when we shut down the last half of fall 2020 semester and mm-hmm. it definitely like the straw where content was coming in and interaction was happening. That, that straw was like shrunk. Um, there's, there's less, you mean like a drinking straw? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Just, I, I was just struggling with the metaphor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. And I got less out of, um, my classes and wasn't as excited about it. Mm-hmm. It was possible. Um, it, the flexibility was nice. Like when sure. you're on zoom, like, yeah, I can just go somewhere and I'll just zoom into my class. <laughs> um, I still do that. Um, our school is thankfully pretty flexible. Uh, yeah, I believe there is learning loss over distance education and, and that varies by learning style. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're someone who does do pretty well, just like reading on your own, doing a forum post, um, yeah, you will get a lot. Um, if you, someone who likes to talk about the ideas, interact yeah. with teachers, people are getting better at using Zoom. Um, I think it's, I would put it mostly on knowing your own learning preferences, mm-hmm. but still a, a in-person still having a slight edge. Sure. Um, and then also varies by content too. Um, so a hybrid model could be good mm-hmm. and probably having a distance, distance learning virtual, whatever is better than not doing it. Yeah. But you really would encourage people to, to think seriously before yeah. just defaulting yeah. to, well, I'm just going to mm-hmm. take a correspondence course. I think hybrid would be pretty good. And then, yeah, being honest about like your own, like you can't always go to a university. And if, mm-hmm. yeah, um, distance is all you can do, it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did, like my college experience was primarily distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were benefits, but my primary benefit was flexibility. I mean, I was working full time. I just didn't have time um, to kind of go somewhere. Um, but yeah, I do think there was a little bit lost there. Like I would have enjoyed having more discussion and back and forth discussion. I think there's a lot of joking about the terribleness of discussion board posts because mm-hmm. they're just people going, I agree. That was great. (laughs) That is great. Good point, Kimberly. (laughs) Right. And then then you're like, yes, this was academic conversation. (laughs) And 
<laughs> it wasn't. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm team in person when it's practical. Um, specifically, thinking of younger people, I think if you like have this intrinsic motivation and like, like those things could be there, I think still a little bit is lost though. Motivation is an important thing. Like it takes a lot of self-discipline to keep up with distant learning. And if that's something you struggle with, um, I, as someone who struggled with it, um, yeah. having kind of the expectations and the framework of an in-person schedule can keep things moving. Nice. Yeah. So bottom line, my, my perspective on education, higher ed, and when I talk with people is if you're going to go get a college degree, have a purpose for it. And it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to go become a nurse so I can go, you know, serve on a leprosy colony. Like that, that's great if that's what you want to do, but it doesn't even have to be that specific, but you should go in intentionally and say, this is why I'm going in. This is what I want to get out of it rather than just kind of a default setting. And that's why bottom line, hi Titus, I think that this, that talking about higher ed is an important thing. Um, Again, without making too many blanket statements, I think more kingdom-minded Jesus people should be going to college, be going to secular colleges, be going to, you know, conservative colleges, and develop the gift of brains that, that God has given all of us. Yes, amen. I also think that college, like, colleges are where the cultural conversations happen. Yep. Like the conversations that are happening in co- in colleges now are going to determine where we as a culture, like what things are acceptable, like that that kind of determines the trajectory 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if Christians aren't participating in those conversations, then it makes no sense for them to look back and go, man, I don't know what's going on with culture. Yeah. Yeah. And, and furthermore, if, with with respect to what Sattler's seeking to do, and I think you guys are seeking to do a really good job, even if you say, yeah, I'm going to go to a conservative Christian college, if that is actually isolating you from outside ideas, it's it's no better. And so that's why, again, in the past, I've been a little bit more in favor of just going to a secular university already and getting it done. Um, because so often, if you go to a traditional conservative college, it's actually going to just reinforce reinforce the bubble, um, and that's not what that's not what scripture calls us to. I'm, g- I'm going to play this little button here. Mere devotion. I'm going to move into our mere devotion segment because I'm going to I'm going to read a scripture. Nice. <laughs> um, Paul says in in Second Corinthians four, he says he's talking about passing on the gospel. He's talking about. Um, the glory of God coming and opening hearts, uh, removing veils from people's eyes. And so then in chapter four, he says, we have renounced secret and shameful things, not acting deceitfully or distorting the word of God, but commending ourselves before God to everyone's conscience by an open display of truth. This passage has hit me so many times because Paul actually says, rather than trying to protect other people from our from our agenda or protect other people from worldly agendas rather than kind of try and hide what we're doing rather than, you know, protect people from different ideas. We are opening ourselves and showing what we understand the truth is. We're an open display and that's actually what grabs people's hearts. What grabs a person's heart is being honest and being 
open with what you're what you're thinking about and that that's i think that's really compelling for me it's compelling practically when somebody says hey this is where i'm coming from this is who i am now what about you mm-hmm. and there have been moments where that's happened um in school yeah people share experiences or something and um then, then i get a chance but yeah it, it is scary uh to have those moments in a, in a class discussion and something about values or comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like I can probably share stories that have, <laughs> I, I was pleasantly surprised with how it went and others I've been, yeah, a little ashamed. Um, but yeah, I think academia can be an awesome place because it, there definitely is a lot of focus on self-expression and mm-hmm. speaking your values. Um, it's not perfect <laughs> like was said, but yeah, I think it, it, it can help us develop those gifts then too of sharing in a queer effective way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me ask one more practical question um, because we, you know, a, a core value for all of us is scripture and how we engage with scripture honestly and then share it with others honestly without apologizing, but also without like, like Paul says here, you know, twisting it or distorting the word of God so often I have found myself, and frankly, as I get a little older, I find younger people doing it to me, <laughs> um, getting a lot of arrogance around, like, I, this is what Scripture says. I know what Scripture says, and this is what it means. And Paul does talk, uh, 1 Corinthians 4 or something, 4, 5, 6, he talks about um, knowledge puffing up. And this is in the context of eating meat sacrificed to idols. And he's like, yeah, we can explain away that idols are nothing, but that's not really showing love. So what are some things that Patrick you're doing, Kimberly you're doing in the college world with your friends that maybe aren't going to college to keep you from sounding like an arrogant know-it-all jerk? (laughs) Yeah, I think listening more, um, I have found to be important listening, um, and expecting people to have things to offer you, not listening just because someone told you you should, but listening because you truly think that they have value and can add value to your life. Um, and not creating like a new bubble um, of just higher educated people. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hanging out with people um, from all different educational levels and experiences and interests, I think, is really important because... Yeah, again, there is a danger of just creating another bubble. Yep. Hanging out with people of all different levels of formal education. Because so often for myself, um, I'm like, oh, I'm more educated than you are. And that's so totally not true. I have a higher level of formalized education than you do, perhaps. I'm Mm -hmm. saying you in a generic sense. But I need to recognize the areas in which you have deep educational background that I don't have. And it doesn't mean it's less valuable just because it doesn't have a diploma attached to it. I think it behooves the church to be active about the hierarchy that the world makes about formalized education. Now, I just want to pause you there, Patrick. You started by saying behooves, and then you said hierarchy. (laughs) I want to challenge you, brother. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not even quite sure the words I'm saying. um, Carry on. Yes. (laughs) Anyway. Um, But yeah, just to be aware of um, the letters behind someone's name uh, really does mean something to a lot of people, and it can it, it is a form of power. 
And mm-hmm. if we are going to be uh, Titus Christian anarchists, um, we need to be aware of hierarchies and and fight them while we can. And um, not like really respecting, yeah, the blue collar people. Because like even working construction, like I am the most. I'm the dumbest guy on the crew. Oh, I hate that feeling. <laughs> um, but it's, it is exciting because I do get a chance to learn something different. And yeah, we really do need to... You explained it very well, that posture of listening to learn because mm-hmm. there honestly is something there and academic snobbishness is not of God. I think, yeah. I know we all like... I feel like sometimes we ignore First um, Corinthians thirteen because you know like, <laughs> we're past that to other oh, yeah. scriptures. But there is like if you like nothing you're doing matters if you're not doing it from a posture of love mm-hmm. and to love one another. And so if education is going to get in the way of you loving people well, don't do it. But also think about how education, in the ways that you have access to and in the ways that make sense for your life can help you to love others better because mm-hmm. I think it can um, but you have to be intentional mm-hmm. yeah and, and I'll add one more thing um, <clears throat> let me think of how a college graduate would say this and this is preaching to myself I think we should avoid the temptation to uh, fetishize obscurity <laughs> oh dear you have to explain this one the, there's this idea that um, like if you don't understand what I'm saying that puts me oh, in a superior yeah. position. And so if I sound obscure, if I'm making references to things that you don't get, that means that I'm the smart one and you're not. But somebody who's truly educated is actually has the ability to break something down for mm-hmm. normal, quote-unquote, people to understand. So we should get away from that. <laughs> this is the same concept as this idea that like speaking tongue, speaking in tongues without interpretation is just building up yourself. It's not yes. actually building up the church. Yeah. Preach. I think that applies very much though in this context. That's really mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you joining us, Kimberly, and best of luck to your work there at um, Sattler College. Everybody go check out, what's the website there? It is sattlercollege.org. Yeah. Or go visit. They are a very nice place to visit. I did yeah. it just two weeks ago, and it was honestly a really good time. I was a little bit nervous, like that we'd be kind of these awkward fish in a barrel, but Kimberly gave us a very nice tour, and all the students were very friendly. It's a beautiful spot. Okay, thank you, guys. That Jesus Podcast is part of the Kingdom Outpost Podcast Network. For more articles, podcasts, and other resources, go to kingdomoutpost.org.